0: You know how many of you have uh, been watching any of those kind of um, end times building events? You know, all the way up to like September 23rd. Um, does anybody know what I'm talking about? Raise your hand if you've seen any of that. With all the stuff that's going on in the world, you know, there's a lot of people, you know, predicting, you know, like whether it be the coming of the, of the Lord or the, the or this kind of just big shift. And you know some economic shift or anything kind of like that, and supposedly all this is kind of going to culminate on on September the 23rd, you know, which is which is Wednesday. And and I remember the uh, the whole Y2K thing, you know, like being kind of a little bit scared. I was actually playing with a worship band at Open Door that night, and uh, we just kind of played right through midnight, never stopped for a countdown or anything. And remember looking at watch it being like 12:23, and I'm like. Cool. You know, we're still here. (laughs) And, you know, that was kind of, that was kind of weird. And then there was that October thing where the guy predicted that the Lord's going to come back. But, you know, just to kind of set your mind at ease, the Bible says, no man knows the day or the hour that the Lord returns. You know, so we get all these, you know, people coming in trying to make, you know, predictions or anything. And that's the verse that I kind of go to. No man knows the days, the day or the hour. And that's the specific thing that he gives us and but it's almost like God commands us to know the season that it could happen and and some of the events that that are taking place that that you can know that the time is near even at the door so I would not even I would not question the fact that at any moment Christ could return at any moment You know, and that day comes like a thief in the night, a day when you're not expecting it. Luke chapter 17, verse 28 says this. Um, It says a blank screen. (laughs) Um, Luke, dang, 28. Do I need to read it? I'm more, well, I'll start with it. I didn't give you that. Well, that's crazy. I should have done that. All right, Luke chapter 17, starting in verse um, 28, says that likewise, as it was also in the days of Lot, they ate, they drank, they bought, they sold, they planted, they built, you know, which is certainly life today, as it was in the days of Lot. They went on eating, drinking, They bought, they sold, which is kind of interesting with that whole stock market thing, you know, and you see people buying, you see people selling, you know, they weren't doing that back, you know, in this day, they have probably had no stock market system like we have. But they bought, they sold, they planted, they built. But on the day that Lot went out of Sodom, it rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them all. Even so, will it be in the day when the Son of Man is revealed? So he's saying it's going to be like this on the day that he is revealed. In that day, he who is on the housetop and his goods are in the house, let him not come down to take them away. And likewise, the one who is in the field, let him not turn back. Remember Lot's wife. Hey, there's a Just a little three-word verse right there. Remember Lot's wife. For whoever seeks to save his life will lose it. And whoever loses his life will preserve it. And so I'm going to kind of focus in a little bit today and possibly um, next week. On those three words, remember lot's wife because because the Bible says, when these things begin to culminate and you see them come to pass, it's almost like a command when for this generation that could very well see the return of the Lord, remember her. let's pray, Father God, thank you so much for the worship team that played this morning, Lord, who played their hearts out for you. Uh thank you for your presence being here Lord. We want you to just fill our hearts and our lives and and begin to just ch- to change us Lord, to make us what you want us to be Lord. I ask as I always did as I as I bring this word Lord, you'll open up our eyes so we can see the word in a way we've never seen it before. Open up our ears so we can hear, Lord, to truly hear. Let this Word sink down into our spirits, Lord, so that it changes us. Let us not be hearers of the Word only, but doers of the Word, Lord, and open up our minds so we can really understand what You're saying and how we are to apply this to our lives. And open up our hearts, Father, so that we may leave here um, loving You even more, Lord, even more in love you in, with You and saying, Surely the presence of the Lord was in that place. There's no one like you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So before I can go to, uh, to Lot's wife, I think we first must remember Lot and some of the things, you know, that were going on. Because I believe that God must snatch someone out of the world. You know not just physically. But mentally. There must be a disconnect. From love things of this world. If they are to be saved. Now Lot was connected. With Abraham. And Abraham left. His home country. To go to a place. He knew not where he was going. All God told him was to go. That was all he knew. And he went. And he took his nephew, Lot, with him. Okay, now we'll start with Hebrews chapter 11, verse 8. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to the place where he would receive an inheritance. Okay, by faith, when he was called, he just left. It was by faith he was called out of his comfort zone to go to where God asked him to go, which he did not know. And this is the faith chapter, by faith Enoch, by faith Moses, by faith Abraham. You know, we we, we see all this. And he didn't know where he was going. And so, but Abraham, here's what we know. He could not have stayed where he was and gone to, to where God wanted him to go at the same time. The command was to leave. One cannot remain in love with an ungodly world and be set apart for the service of God at the same time. Lot missed his spot in this hall of faith. Hebrews chapter eleven, verse thirteen says this. And see, we should have had um did I not send you a lot of my stuff? Hebrews eleven thirteen. Wow. All right. I don't have these marked. I usually mark them, but then I never need them. Uh-oh. So Hebrews eleven thirteen. 13. I'm on Hebrews. All right. These all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off, were assured of them, embraced them, and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. They did not love where they were. They believed God's promise, were assured of God's promises, and received them. They left. Okay, so Lot missed his spot in all of this. And why? Because he gravitated towards the sins of this world. He gravitated toward it. And, and guys, we're all in this process of either gravitating toward Holiness, you're never going to go, you just arrive immediately. It's always going to be one step in front of the other. Or, you're going the other way. You're gravitating towards sin. Now, Genesis chapter 13 verse 10 starts Lot's little, little journey. It says, "...Lot lifted his eyes and saw all the plain of Jordan, that it was well watered everywhere before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah like the garden of the Lord." Like the land of Egypt as you go toward Zoar. So the first thing when they, when, when Abraham and Lot decided that their, their flocks were too many and they had to, to split up. You know, Abraham said, listen, you pick wherever you want to go. And Lot, when he lifted his eyes, he went for the more prosperous, for the nicer, for the bigger, for the better. Okay. And so you see him seeing that land and saying, I'm going to choose to go this way. Never stop and saying, Lord, which way do you want me to go? Abraham, you're in tune with the Lord. Where do you think I should go? You know, how about you pick? You know, you're the, you know, you're the father, you know, of, of all this. So, so what do you think? And then in verse 12, Genesis 13, verse 12, Abram dwelt in the land of Canaan and Lot dwelt in the cities of the plain and pitched his tent even as far as Sodom. So he started by looking at this far off land and saying, that's a better place, and I think that's where we want to go. And then he moves his tent closer to Sodom. It's as far as Sodom. He's not quite all the way into sin yet, all the the city of sin, Sodom and Gomorrah, but he's, he's closer. And then in chapter 14, verse 12... It says, they also took light, Abram's brother's son, Abraham's brother's son, who dwelt in Sodom. Now he's all the way in. He dwelt in Sodom. All his stuff, all his goods, that's where he chose to live. So the land that he thought that he wanted, you know, he started by seeing it, gravitating toward it, pitches 10, just 10, just outside of it. I'm not quite all the way in there to going all the way in. That's how this progression work always always keep in mind that the process is slow it's gradual you almost gravitate toward it whether it's toward holiness or whether it's toward sin you know the one thing i think about is uh, sometimes in my class i always have this a uh, thousand piece puzzle and we always you know when we when we put puzzles together you just dig out all those outside pieces and you and you do the board, you do the outside. That knocks off so many of them, and then you kind of push cor- uh, colors in each one. But but I'm thinking you know, God does not do it like that. He doesn't go ahead and kind of get the frame. He he starts from the inside. He puts the puzzle of your heart together first. You know he finds and and he does it just like we do. He doesn't just magically uh, snap his fingers and there it is all put together. He still takes the time day by day, to do a little piece at a time from the inside out. He 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 does things a little different than we do. That's why he's holy. That's why he's separate. And I realize the text doesn't say remember Lot. It says remember his wife. And we know about his wife that she looked back. Lot didn't look back. He was convinced that this world... And the things of it were headed for destruction. Are you convinced now that this world, life as we know it, is going towards destruction? He believed the Word of God when God said, Get out, escape for your life. Do you believe that? Is there there an urgency to to separate your heart from the things of this world? Because that's the call from God. God second corinthians 6 17 therefore come out from among them and be separate says the lord do not touch what is unclean and the bible is very clear about these things you know don't be sexually immoral don't click on pornographic websites don't touch unclean things that the world says you cannot have fun without these things. Don't touch what is unclean, you know, and I will receive you. You know, he says, be different than this world. Don't touch unclean things and I will receive you. That's the promise we have from him. And I even like this, even though this is 2 Corinthians six seventeen. it actually comes, it's a quotation from Isaiah chapter 52, 11. And so when you back up, I love the way Isaiah says it. Depart, depart! Exclamation point. Depart! Go out from there. Touch no unclean thing. Go out from the midst of her. Be clean, you who bear the vessel's of the Lord. And I like the way they added that. You who bear the vessels of the Lord. If you are going to call yourself a Christian, a follower of Christ, do this. If this is what you would rather have, don't call yourself a follower of Christ. Be clean. Don't touch unclean things. Be clean. You who call yourself a vessel of the Holy Spirit. A vessel of Of the Lord. When the time came to be separate from this world. Lot's wife could not be separate. She loved this world. She loved her home. She longed for it. The world behind her meant more than the salvation before her. And this is the pattern for many. It was a pattern for many of the Israelites when you go on after the book of Genesis and, and and Moses goes on to write the Ten Commandments and all this kind of stuff. You know, they were they were slaves in Egypt and then they were taken out of Egypt. And there's many things of where people look back in Exodus over and over. Exodus chapter 16 verse 3, for example. The children of Israel said to them, Oh, that we had died by the hand of the Lord back in Egypt. Okay. Totally forgetting how they were treated. They were slaves. And then here they are because things are getting a little rough in this new walk with God. Oh, that we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt. We were better off in our old lives. As slaves, than we are in this new life following Christ. When we sat by pots of meat and when we ate bread in full, I mean, they're remembering the wrong things. They're forgetting the fact that they were slaves. For you, Moses, this is what you did to us. You brought us out into this wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. We're going to starve to death, Moses. We were better off as slaves back in Egypt. And guys, I I don't know if I'm the only one, but, but I know what this is like to try to separate yourself from this world and you lose friends and you lose some popularity and you lose some things and you begin to think that you got ripped off following the Lord. Because you see everybody else doing their own thing, this worldly. And yeah, you only see the pots of meat. You only see the fleshly stuff, the temporary satisfying things. And as I sit here and thought about preaching this word, knowing there's nobody less worthy to preach this message than me. Because I remember... A moment in my Christian walk. I mean, I hadn't been married to Tanya for long, you know. I mean, I was being blessed by the Lord, but I couldn't see it. I was looking back at, at the way in my old life. And I remember playing with this group of guys in this band. And I remember, um, you know, loving it, you know, and, and that was, that was kind of just what I lived for at the time. But, to follow the call of the Lord, I had to leave it. You know, you—this is not what I want for you, Adam. You got to separate yourself from this, and so I did. And it was hard, and I and I did lose a bunch of, a bunch of the friends I used to hang out with, and I was kind of kind of lonely. I found myself going to church a lot, studying the Bible a lot, and I was growing. And the Lord, had I never done that, I would have never met my wife Tanya. I'd never be. Be married to her had I not separated myself but as it's almost like as soon as I left that band you know I was obviously the restraining factor because they went on to be pretty successful you know make a couple of cds and and when people and they went to places to play they're pretty packed out pretty good and so um in my little looking back phase I remember calling my dad and saying man let's go see them they were playing at McPee's and Clemson, anybody remember McPace? just uh okay, all right, a few of you. all right. Um, so I remember going there and watching them play, and I, I kind of thought I'd just kind of snuck in with my dad. It was packed out, and we went to the back of the room and just started listening to them play, and they sure did. They rocked it out, you know, and so uh right there they they stopped like right in the middle. I didn't think they had seen me or anything, and they uh they went back and they said. All right, we got our man Adam Hopkins back there. And we're going, this one goes out to him. And they played a song by Driving and Crying, if you ever remember that band, and it's called Straight to Hell. You know, and, uh, this song goes, I'm going straight to hell, just like my mama said, I'm going straight to hell. And I was sitting there like, that's why I left the band. I didn't want to go straight to hell, you know, I'm, I'm taking a, a different path and everything. And so, you know, that, that kind of cured, you know, temporarily, but I was just looking back and kind of long and wondering if I got ripped off by serving, you know, this, this God. And so Tanya and I, we took off to, uh, to free chapel worship center, uh, back when they had their old building and stuff. And it was probably one of the greatest God moments of my life, uh, I walk in, and just the the Spirit of the Lord was just so thick there. And um, this couple came out, and they started the music and everything. And the song went, uh, When I think about the Lord, how He saved me, how He raised me, how He filled me with the Holy Ghost, how He healed me. To the uttermost when I think about my Lord, how he picked me up and turned me around, how he placed my feet on solid ground, it makes me want to shout hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus, Lord, you're worthy of all the glory and all the honor and all the praise. And man, I was just filling the room and the presence of the Lord was on me like never before. And as much as he can speak to a person's heart. He said, Adam, nobody ever gives anything up for me, and I rip them off, Adam. Don't ever look back. You don't have to ever look back. Only look at me. Only look at the cross. Only put one step in, in front of the other towards me. Amen. it was just the greatest moment because that's the day I stopped looking back. I met a guy named Mark Bagwell from Golden Corner Church, and um, just, just through this freak meeting. And he asked me if I, you know, it came out that I played the guitar and I started playing in the praise band with them. And, you know, even while I was sitting here playing today, you know, I'm like, man, playing this for you guys is a thousand times better than anything I ever got to do, you know, playing, you know, for the, for for any other band that I've ever played for. And so I'm really appreciative of that. So, I actually looked up that song, "The Straight to Hell." This uh, while I was putting this together, and the guy—he—he—it um, was about from seven or eight years ago, and he's sitting down and he's playing. And before he sings the song, he—he uh, he sings another song that he wrote about about Jesus, and it's about this Pentecostal preacher that comes up and says, "Do you know Jesus, son? Do you know?" Jesus. And the whole gist of the song is like, well, which Jesus are you talking about? There's Bobblehead Jesus. There's uh, Broadway Jesus. There's all these Jesuses that people make, you know? And then his chorus goes, but the Jesus that I know goes to Willie Nelson shows and sings Whiskey River at the top of his lungs. Okay? Now, that's, that's, that's his attitude for this. And soon as he finishes that, It goes into, I'm going straight to hell. And I just, I think about that, guys. I didn't deserve God's mercy. I could have easily been there, easily gone that route. I didn't deserve His grace, but I stand here grateful, clean, and converted with nothing but love in my heart for my King and my God. Now, guys, I, I really, I haven't even scratched the surface of what I wanted to get to about Lot's wife. Okay, we'll probably, we'll go there, the Lord willing, next week. But what if the command that was given to Lot and his family is being given to us today? Uh, in Genesis chapter 19, verse 17. Please tell me I gave you that one. <laughs> okay. Um So it came to pass when they had brought them outside, okay? Now, this is angels going in there and getting Lot and his family. Okay, They're going in there to get them. Now, these angels have already visited Abraham and told Abraham, we are going to wipe that place out. And Abraham says, well, what if there's righteous people there? What? Why would you wouldn't destroy the wicked with the good? Would you far be it from you to do such a thing? You know, what if what if there's a hundred people there, you know, that's that's that, that's that, that does what you ask them to do? He says, of course, I won't do it. And then he starts on this whole journey backward. You know, what if there's what if there's 40 And he just keeps on negotiating, and he gets it all the way down to ten. And he says, what if there's ten righteous people there? He says, if I go there and I find ten righteous people, I will not destroy that place. And so he goes, and he does not find ten righteous people. And I always kind of think sometimes, you know, what if Abraham had gone all the way down to one What if he had gone all the way down to one? Because if you think about it, there's only one righteous, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. There didn't need to be ten righteous people for us to be saved. There only needed to be one, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So what if Abraham had gone all the way down to one, but Abraham stopped at ten? Are there ten? So it didn't get destroyed for all the sin that was in Sodom and Gomorrah. It was destroyed because he could not find ten people. And so it came to pass when they had brought them outside that he said, escape for your life. Okay. I know that you look around and nothing's happening right now. I know you look around and it's like, well, things just go on as they've always gone on. And there's where is this coming of the Lord that they talk about? You know, where is this destruction that the Bible kind of talks about? Everything seems to be fine. I don't see anything different. He says, "Escape for your life!" Exclamation point. Do not look behind you at your old life. What are you looking back on, anyways? What's back there that's worth your life? What's back there that's worth your salvation? Don't look behind you nor stay anywhere in the plain. Escape to the mountains lest you be destroyed. You know, as I read the Pilgrim's Progress for the probably the fifth time, you know Christian is in a city called Destruction. And he has this burden. He's like, I've got to get out of here. And everybody says, you don't have to get out of here. You don't have to believe all that stuff. But he meets a guy named Evangelist. And Evangelist says, flee. Get out of here. And he's like, where do I go? He said, there's a gate. If you'll part between the mountains, if you'll go toward the mountains, go in between the little dip and stay there and keep a straight path, you'll come to a wicked gate, and they will tell you what to do. And of course, we know that Jesus Christ says, I am the gate. You know, no one comes to him except through him. No one comes to the Father except through me. Escape. So I stop it here to ask you a question. And Nate, I'd rather not have somebody come play. If you've got some music you can be thinking about in just a minute. Um, what if this is the last time the altar's open? What if this really was What if those predictors were right that Wednesday will be the return of the Lord? you got today, Monday, Tuesday, and sometimes Wednesday that he's coming back. What if this is the last service That we have this side of eternity. What if this is the last few days that you have before He snatches out those who believe in Him? Before His return. What would you do different? What would you do over these next few days? What if this is the last time you can say, God, examine my heart? Search me, oh God, and know my heart. Try me and look at my, look at my ways and see if there's any offensive way in me, Lord. Show me the way everlasting. Burn away any desire that's in my heart that's not of you. What if this is the last time you can plead to God on behalf of a family member? Because I guess I didn't have him put it up there, but the only reason Lot was spared before he went to destroy it, he didn't, it doesn't, the Bible does not say God remembered Lot. It says God remembered Abraham. He only spared Lot because of Abraham. So just maybe this is the last chance you can plead on behalf of one of your family members. Should the Lord return at any moment, maybe He remembers you and He spares them because of you. How would you pray differently over the next few days if you knew Wednesday the Lord was to return? The only reason Lot was saved is because of Abraham. So I would like for us, as he cues the music, Okay? It's just to pretend. And who knows, we may not be pretending that this is the last time that the altar is open. Okay, I know I kind of stumbled through this this sermon and God, but I told you from the beginning I don't know what I'm doing up here. Okay, and y'all still let me get up here week after week. Okay. But what if this is it? If it's my last chance. I'm praying for my mom and my dad and caroline and Jamison and my wife i'm praying lord help us get it out of us help us get out anything in our heart that doesn't need to be there beautify us lord if we are your bride help us to begin to doll ourselves up to put our makeup on our hair and the white dress and purify ourselves before you oh lord help us to do that that's what i'm praying for I'm praying for you guys that in the last two years that I've led you in the right direction, that you're a little bit more pure because of what I've done up here, that that I've said things to you that have penetrated your heart and changed you and made you more holy. I'm, I'm praying that all those things come together for you guys and that I've been a good leader. You know, the Bible warns us to be careful that you don't call yourself a teacher of the Word because you will be judged more strictly. And I can promise that I take that very seriously. I don't want to... Almost, I don't want to do anything that's going to bring more judgment on myself, but it makes me want to live pure. It makes me want to live holy and in the smallest of detail of whatever life, I still want to do it right. I don't care if I can get away with it. I don't care if it doesn't cost somebody else that much. I don't care if it's not that big of a deal. I want to do even the small things for my Lord. I want to do what's right. I want to be right. Right? That's what I'd pray for and that's what I'm going to pray for. So if you'd like to join me for whatever reason, the altar's open. Father God, what a thought, Lord, to think that one Sunday it will be our last Sunday. It'll be our last opportunity that we had on this side of heaven to honor You and to lift up Your name, Lord. May we treat every Sunday like it's our last. May we treat every day like it's our last. Lord, fill us with Your Holy Spirit and burn away our desires for absolutely anything that's just of us and of this world. And just burn away those desires. And Lord, give us the desires of You, Lord, of Your Son, Jesus. May we strive to be like Him. Do the things that He did. Say the things that He said. Lord, we know You are transforming us and making us more like Him. Every day that we choose to walk with You. Every day we choose to read Your Word and apply Your Word. Lord, there's no one like You. I pray that You have moved and that You have spoken in spite of the weakness of your servant here, Lord. I love you. I praise you. I ask that you go with us throughout this week and let us be the lights of this world, Lord, and may other people see our light so shine before men that they glorify you, our Father in heaven. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.